Hello everyone, Rob Guest from Football.London here and welcome to the latest episode of Gold and Guest Talk Tottenham, sponsored by NordVPN. Now, we've been away for a while, we haven't had a podcast in I think about three weeks, but the good thing is we're back. Alistair Gold joining me as ever. Ali, you okay? Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, no apologies to everyone for the little break in transmission, as it were. Um, it's just one of those logistical things where Guest and I are both Worked through much of the start of the year and the summer. Obviously, we were covering, you know, friendlies and transfers and preseason tours and all that. So we didn't really get to fit in a lot of our time off then. So obviously, with this natural break, well, say unnatural break in the season, uh, we had loads of loo days and holidays to kind of take between us, and it just ended up being that we were here, there, and everywhere, and it didn't even kind of work. And technically, I'm off this week, but I didn't want it to keep rolling on that we weren't having a podcast because we enjoyed doing this and. I've had people asking where we've gone. Don't worry, we're back. And hopefully this should be now the run of a, a few of them leading up to the uh, the new year, hopefully now. And when we'll get uh, real football back, club football, uh, not this World Cup stuff, although we've had a couple of good games in the World Cup so far. Are you enjoying it so far, Guesty? Yeah, there's been a few good games. There's been some not so great, a number of uh, nil-nils, but it's good to see the likes of Richarlison starring for Brazil last night. We will go a bit more into uh, the Tottenham players at, at the World Cup, but, you know, uh, it's, it's been a decent start to the tournament. I think it will will get better. Anyway, we'll move back on to the world of Tottenham. It's still going to be quite a while until we actually are back at a game. I think it's Boxing Day. Next time Tottenham play away at Brentford, as uh, there's no Carabao Cup game now following that defeat at Nottingham Forest. So as we are, we've done the first part of the season, not halfway through yet, as Tottenham have only played 15 league games. Do you want to just give us your thoughts, first of all, on how Tottenham have fared in the first few months of the season. I mean, are you happy with how things look at present? You've actually phrased that perfectly. I'm happy with how things look, (laughs) but underneath the surface, of course, there needs to be a bit of work done. Um, It's like a a really nice-looking car that you go around to go and buy, but when you kind of pull up the hood, it's not quite got the engine you thought it had underneath. their position, you cannot argue with it in the league, you know, especially after that mad run of games. What was it, 13 games in 43 days towards the end? You know, to be fourth in the table, um, to be top of the group in the Champions League table, uh, getting through to the knockout stage, last 16 tie against AC Milan, which is a bit of a mouth-watering one. That should be fantastic come February. Um, and yeah, obviously, Carabao Cup was very disappointing, very poor performance, but. On, on the surface, the foundations are there for a good second part to the season. There's got to be a, lot, a fair few tweaks. I do think Spurs missed Dejan Kulisevsky too much. They, they were very reliant on him for me. As soon as he went, they lost a lot of rhythm to their game, a lot of creativity. And I think the football, that was really the period I felt that people could rightly say, oh, you know, the football isn't great. Whereas I felt maybe it was a little bit harsh before with the amount of goals they were still scoring. Um, and yeah, yeah, there, there's there's positives. There's definitely players that I feel have done well during that period. And we're going to talk about them um, in a little bit. Our kind of players of the season so far, or players of the year, really. And um, there's other players who haven't done so well. And it'll be interesting to see what happens in January with some of these players. 
And with Conte, it's exactly the same. I think there's been very much pluses and negatives to the stuff that he's done. I think he's done a lot of good things. And, and you know, we mustn't forget, as I was kind of speaking to him about in the last press conference before the um, Leeds game, obviously the team lost Giampiero Ventroni. And it's very easy to kind of underestimate the effect that losing such an important and loved person behind the scenes had on the camp. It really was huge. And I think, myself included, I think we've probably glossed over that slightly afterwards. Obviously, a very sad thing. And we covered it in depth and everything. But I think maybe we didn't have it in our thinking when it came to what came next and some of the way the teams played. Um, and just, yeah, just a general impact of, of losing such a big person behind the scenes. I remember I asked Antonio Conte just ahead of that Leeds game, essentially, kind of how do you replace someone like that? I felt enough time had passed to be able to ask that question. Um, and he said it, he even, even got quite emotional. I thought I was going to end up making him cry, which really was not my intention at all. Um, and he just said, look, you can share the workload. You can essentially take on what he did on the pitches, but you cannot recreate the bond he had with the players, that kind of energy that he brought to the training ground, um, and, and obviously just all that side of it as well. So that would be interesting to see how Conte kind of deals with that going forward in the long term. Um, and yeah, the football needs to be better. There's no, there's no kind of two bones about that. It really must be better. Uh, I think it will be. I still maintain a lot of it comes down to how the wingbacks work, but <laughs> I could go on about the wingbacks forever. Um, and yeah, like I say, having a, a decky kind of alternate, like player, an alternative to turn to when he's either not performing or whether he's out and injured. Because I still don't think even Richarlison, despite his incredible goal last night, I still don't think he's a, a Kulisevsky alternative. I think he's a different kind of player that brings you something a bit more direct and different. Um but yeah, overall, I'd say I'd give it a, oh, what would I give it? If we were in school back in the old days, I'd probably give it a, a B, I think. I think it's been okay. I think, you know, you'd say, you know, has has achieved the results on the whole that they, they wanted without maybe putting in the maximum uh, potential or realising their potential. I don't think we can question the effort. I do think they've flogged themselves, those players. Uh, they really have. That, that part of that is down to Conte still not trusting and rotating enough. But, uh, yeah, I, I think they're in a positive place going into the break. Um, and I'm intrigued to see what he does because players are back on Monday. I'm intrigued to see what he does with a lot of these returning non-World Cup players because it could be a big, what we've got left, about four or five weeks left, a uh, big time for them to really work with him. Yeah, uh, I think for me, looking at the first part of the season, I think if you were offered Tottenham would be fourth in the Champions League place, they'd be through to the round of 16 in the Champions League. I think you'd take that if you were offered that before the season started. Yeah. And our favourite saying, on paper, everything does look good at the moment when you take it like that. But when you look at the performances in a number of the games, and especially if you compare it to the final few months of last season when Spurs were at the free-flowing best and just scoring for fun. It's uh, mm. it's been chalk and cheese, really. Uh, but I think the good thing is there's certainly more to come from Tottenham. It's not like they have been at the best 
in the first few months of the season, you know, and stumbled through. I think there's certainly a lot more to come. Uh, I think what the disappointing could... in the big games, don't you think, as well? Yeah, yeah. I mean, go back to August, Chelsea away. You're thinking mm. perfect time to play Chelsea, given how they finished last season, how strongly Tottenham finished the campaign. And it was just like Tottenham of old, going back to Stamford Bridge. And they were lucky to come away with a point because Chelsea did have chances to kill that game off. Uh, and yeah. then Arsenal away, Manchester United away was terrible. Uh, I mean, Liverpool, Liverpool was a good performance, but mistakes ended up you know, being costly. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, if you look at the final few games, the lost three big games there against Champions League rivals. If you want yeah. to finish in the top four come the end of the season, you need to be winning uh, those games or at least a couple of them. And especially when two of them were at home as well, you know, that's when you really, really need to be picking up the points. But I think they are in uh, a good position to kick on and hopefully get better. I think they just need as was the case last January, uh, just add some real quality in the January market, if they can do, just to give everyone a bit more of a boost, keep everyone on the toes, as that was the case when Dane Kuliseski and Rodrigo Bentonker came in uh, last season. But I think as well, you've just got to remember that, given the amount of games they've had to play, no team has got to be at the best week in, week out of this period. I mean, look at Man City, yeah, the second in the Premier League table, but they lost at home to Brentford. Uh, was that the final game or the week before when their mm. football went on pause? Arsenal, top Arsenal have been good, consistently good, but I think there's certainly more to come from Tottenham and some other teams. Have Arsenal been so. able to rotate a bit more because they've only got the Europa League? Maybe, yeah, maybe. Uh yeah, I think that certainly helps, especially when mm. you're probably given a favourable group in the Europa League. And Conte's made that clear, aren't they, before Champions League games? I mean, it's not like last year when it's Conference League and you can rotate your full 11 or, you know, the vast majority of your team. He has pretty much kept faith with his strongest 11. There might be a couple of changes in there, but I think what he certainly needs, as I mentioned, is just a bit more quality then he can start rotating a, a bit more I think we would have liked to see him make a few more changes and you know uh, just freshen up the team on a regular basis but I think it, at right wing back well I'm not going to say right wing back <laughs> uh, but there's certainly other positions in the team such as you think Brian Hill maybe would have got a bit more of a chance when there was all those injuries rather than just these cameo appearances off the bench yeah. Uh, I think we would have liked to see the team a bit uh, a bit fresher given the amount of games coming up. But good break now for those not involved uh, at the World Cup. And, you know, fingers crossed Tottenham can start strongly once Premier League action resumes. Yeah, like you say, I mean, there's four main players really that played the most games. That was Lloris, Kane, Hoibier and Bentonker. And that's the spine of your team. And, and if that is, uh, actually, sorry, Eric Dyer as well, that spine of your team is playing, starting almost every single match. And even if they weren't starting, they were most most of the time were coming on sometimes at half time. And it's just like he was pummeling them into the ground, really, because towards the end, you know, like Benton Kerr and Hoybier were having to do a bit of a job share, weren't they? Like coming on at half time and, and sort of replacing each other. And it's just, 
I do feel like it's somewhere in between the truth, between him not trusting certain players and the quality maybe not being there. It's somewhere in the middle. Because I do feel like, you know, I think Skippy's been used quite sparingly. Um, and when he has played, he's played in the wrong position. I still don't understand why he's playing Basuma as an anchor man and Skippy is almost like an attacking winger at times. Um, surely swap them around and have um, Basuma as the box-to-box midfielder and Skippy holding as he was so brilliant at Norwich and doing it and in the first season for Spurs after he came back as well. Um, that surely gives you more options to keep Benton and Hoybier fresher. Eric Dyer, I do think, I know he's getting a lot of flack uh, before the season pause, but I think that was a lot of that was, we, we always forget about mental fatigue as well. I think we can look at the physical side, but mentally, I felt in those last few games, he was making mistakes that he'd, on the whole, I felt had started to iron out of his game. He was becoming a much more consistent player last season and at the start of this season as well. And I feel like he looked like a tired player um, in his head, really. And just like, I mean, the the mistake against Liverpool was probably the best example of it. It was just absolutely daft. And, and he kind of continued in that vein as well. Um, and Harry Kane, you know, Harry Kane towards the end in the last few games, it was like, you could tell he'd been told, just just don't even worry about pressing, honestly. <laughs> you just, you must be knackered. Because he started every single match. I mean, when you're having to start, your star striker in the Carabao Cup against the bottom of the league team, you know that you know there's something wrong there with the depth of the squad. I know they had a few injuries, but that's just madness. You know, there's not some young striker. You know, to, uh, I suppose that doesn't help that Spurs had loaned out Troy Parrott and Dane Scarlett and all that. But that's the kind of game where you see other teams bring in a young striker and give them a little bit of a go and. And if it's not going your way, then you bring on Kane. And as it was, Kane played and barely did anything in that Carabao Cup match. He barely saw the ball. Um, but yeah, you know, you pointed out the Conference League last season and the fact that Spurs went out of the Conference League, you know, obviously we in, in iffy circumstances towards the end, but still, you know, they should never have been in the position where they were relying on the final game anyway. Um, and yet this season, they're top of their league, uh, top of their group, excuse me, and through to the um, knockout stage of the Champions League, a very, very different competition, and fourth in the league. Like you say, I think we probably would have bit someone's hand off if we'd been offered that at the start of the season. Um, It's not pretty, and the booze at halftime kind of suggests that the football hasn't been fantastic. Far too many uh, having to come from behind matches. Far too many. I mean, that's getting a bit weird now. That's definitely something that's got to be fixed, but on the whole, I think there's enough positive. I would give it a B. B minus B. I, th- I think uh, it's been a, a pretty decent start to the season, just not fantastic. Yeah, I think I agree with you on that marking. It would have been nice to be in the next round of the Carabao Cup as well because Tottenham need to win some silverware at some point sooner rather than later. But the FA Cup's to come. Uh, third round draw on Monday evening, I believe, about 7 o'clock. So few more days we'll discover who Tottenham's opponents in uh, the third round are so what comes next for Tottenham then Ali what are you expecting from them once football resumes on Boxing Day I mean it's not a match you would choose to come back to Brentford away is a tough game Um, they are a very very well organized hard-working team Um, 
and you know, like we say, we saw what they did even against Man City, and and they can uh, they can upset anyone on the day. It's the only thing I would say. It's the one very small positive of the Carabao Cup debacle um, is that they've now got that free week ahead of the um, the match at Brentford. So I think the beauty of the second part of last season, um, again, a small neg- a small positive of going out of a cup competition was. Going out of the Conference League meant Spurs had full weeks between games to be able to uh, prepare. And you saw it on the pitch. They were a much better team, like you say, free-flowing football, lots of goals, um, and, yeah, obviously finished up in fourth place. So I think having that full week with all the players back should should put Spurs in a good place to be able to play that. Um, in my head, it was strange. You kind of, I was thinking in my head, oh, well, like we've got the January window, all of that. But actually, Spurs have got to play a fair few games with the same squad as they had originally, probably. Uh, unless they manage to get us like a January signing in right through the gate on the first day, which, well, I was about to say it's not like Spurs, but then to be honest, in the summer, they lined them all up pretty early. So you can never say never, definitely. Um, but I think that January has to be a busy time in the market. I would say. Um, there's got to be a, a couple at least coming in and then a couple are going out. You'd think Brian Hill and Jaffet Tanganga, you'd think we'll head out on loan at least um, because they need game time. It's just they're not going to play under Conte much at all unless it's an absolute injury crisis. You know, this has probably been my one thing about Conte that has slightly um, frustrated me is that there doesn't seem to be a reward system in the way he works. You can have a really good performance on the bench and it absolutely does not mean that you're going to start the next game. It doesn't mean it at all. And I felt we saw this last season with poor old Steven Bergwijn. Steven Bergwijn could absolutely smash it and in the next game, Lucas Moura would come off the bench before <laughs> him. It wasn't even like he came off the bench first. And I feel like we're seeing this this season. Brian Hill definitely has had those moments as well. Um I think Skippy and Basuma have had a couple of really good performances where they've then been on the bench in the next game as well. Yeah, it just it hasn't. Uh, uh, sorry, and Jed Spence as well is a good example. You know, playing really well against Forest, and we all thought, "Oh, Willie, Willie!" Now he went back to Emerson, and it's a bit like there's no incentive to to perform well. It's a really strange setup because he does look at you in training, and if you perform really well in training, he looks at you. But it seems to me if you play well in the match, it doesn't really seem to count for much if you're not one of his kind of trusted circle of players. Um, so that's something I would like to see change a little bit. Um, so, yeah, I think January will be busy, I think, with a, a couple coming in, a couple going out. They do need to replicate the Bentenka, um Kulusevsky, like you say, signings. They were perfect. They were absolutely season-changing signings. January, we know, is a, a more difficult window to get things done in, but look, they've had loads of time to set stuff up now. It's not even like they've, oh, we've been busy sorting out all the football. It's like, no, you haven't. <laughs> You've had, you know, an extra six weeks to absolutely prepare your window away from any other distractions. We've got the meeting between uh, Levy, Paratici, and Conte to come as well, which you'd imagine you'd think will be held pretty sharpish after they returns next week on Monday. Um, and then, yeah, start planning and, and meeting Conte's ambitions because this season will depend, I think, on what they do in the January transfer window. I think it's going to be pivotal. I don't personally believe that this same group of players 
is probably got quite enough to finish top four. I don't think they have quite enough, just purely in depth in certain positions. A couple of injuries, and I think they'll have issues. I think, you know, if you put out that same first 11, I think, yes, like last season, I think you make it. Um, But reality suggests you can't do that, and it's shown that in recent months. So I think it's key who they bring in. Um, And, you know, it's context, so you'll want ready players. And I'm intrigued to see what happens in the right wing-back slot and who goes, who stays, and... I don't think you can keep the same three players for the second half of the season. I think Jed Spence will go on loan. I think he has to. If he's not playing, it's no benefit to him or to Tottenham just to have him on the bench. He needs to be playing football week in, week out. Just send him to another Premier League club and then hopefully... Is that come the right this... decision, though? Is that the right decision from a management point of view? When well, you look at the options that are there? I think you could probably put him in the team now and he'd do better than Emerson in an attacking sense and Matt Doherty, but Conte's not shown that he will give players a chance and maybe take a chance on such as Brian Hill and is Jed Spence. Or is it based on something we're not seeing? Well, he said before in press conferences that Spence has been impressing him in training and has been getting better. But if you're saying, if you're impressing in training, and then he gives you match minutes. It doesn't really add up, does it, with Spence, if those minutes aren't coming his way uh, from the start. But he needs to he needs to be playing. So I think he, he needs to go on loan. So even if, say, one of the others goes, it doesn't mean he's going to be first choice right wing back. Uh, no, and, but you get more game time. It's quite interesting. Like three to think. of them are around, aren't they? All three are around for this little break. Yeah. Yeah, they are. Uh, and I suppose with Doherty and Emerson, if you wanted to part with one or both, that's all dependent on offers coming in for them yeah. at, at the end of the day. Uh, so things certainly have to be done in the January transfer window. As you mentioned, Pratichi has got a perfect time now, you know, to be making calls and starting to make moves for uh, some players and then hopefully be able to bring some in and not leave it so late as was the case last January when it was deadline day and, you know, the last few hours of deadline day when those signings were confirmed. Uh, but Tottenham did make quick early moves in the summer transfer market and you're hoping uh, that will certainly be replicated. I know a, a number of Tottenham fans will be hoping for wholesale changes in January. That's just not the case at all. That never happens uh, for clubs in January. You'd be thinking there'll be a couple of moves here and there, but clubs sometimes are reluctant to allow players to leave in January. And if they are, then they're wanting big money. So I think it'll be the summer where there will be big changes. Uh, But January, hopefully, just a couple of fresh faces and more about the quality this time rather than the quantity. Yeah, I think it'll be a busier window on the whole because of the, the World Cup and because of injuries and having to react to that. So I do think there'll be more movement, which obviously in turn is a bit of a roundabout, isn't it? It kind of opens up opportunities for other teams. Um, yeah, the right wing back is going to be an interesting one because if Spence goes on loan, you can't, for me, carry on with the same two right wing backs. You can't carry on with Emerson and Doherty because that's square one. That's where you were at the start of the summer, which clearly 
was not the intention for the second half of the uh, for the for the season. Um, I should also point out while I was away earlier in the week, I was up visiting my mum in Scotland. I noticed there was a little bit of social media excitement about Jed Spence because he uh, essentially obliterated his Instagram account. <laughs> And I think removed everything bar an England photo. And even his profile photo, I think, was just like a... It wasn't even a photo, was it? Was it just like a black background or something like that? Um, What I should stress, read into it what you will. Um, I kind of had a little chat while I was away with a a couple of people that know him, people around him and everything. And apparently, he's... um, He's done this two or three times in, in recent years. It's almost like a bit of a purge, a bit of a reset of his Instagram account. I don't understand why. I, I can't give it actual... For me, okay, that's something he does. So maybe you can look at it and say it's not a like a, a Spurs-specific thing or it's not a I'm angry at this situation thing if there's been other occasions he's done it. Although you could say maybe he was angry on the other occasions. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I, I don't know the logic behind it. I the, There's presumably something something behind it whether it is just i mean you said yourself earlier before we started this is there some you know can you not just archive things i i I don't know what it is i don't the reason i'd say maybe it isn't spurs specific in particular is that he's deleted everything there's no forest loan images which there were before or, or there would have been middlesbrough ones before that as well so it's not like he's just was it Stephen? Did Stephen Bergvine? I feel like Stephen Bergvine, when he was being abused, took away a load of Spurs photos off of his when he was getting real flack on Instagram. I think that's what he did. Whereas this hasn't been targeted like that. He's literally wiped everything off of his thing apart from his last England under 21 appearance. Uh, maybe just so it shows that he's got one photo. So, yeah, I, I don't think it's quite the message to Tottenham Hotspur kind of thing that is maybe painted to be otherwise you would literally just uh take away the last five or six spurs photos because he probably hasn't got many photos of himself to use in a spurs <laughs> kit anyway because <laughs> of the lack of minutes for him um yeah i'm sure because i don't think that would be particularly a great idea from his side anyway in terms of he's got all the spurs fans behind him spurs fans want to see him play so i don't think kind of suggesting that he's uh doesn't want anything to do with Tottenham Hotspur would really help his case anyway. So I can't imagine that that would be the reasoning behind it. Um, yeah, I think he's been away on holiday. I think they've, they've all been away on a holiday, um, enjoying themselves. So Brian Hill was in New York having a look around. Enjoy. It looks like uh, <laughs> he's uh, enjoying himself out there. It looks quite cold. The reason I was going to I made myself chuckle there because he's quite a diminutive chap, you know, a little kind of dribbler of a player. Um, and he's got these huge puffer jackets on. It just kind of made him... It was quite a funny image for me. Um, not not questioning anyone's fashion taste with my own poor fashion sense. But, uh, yeah, it's going to be a big January transfer window. Um, I really hope they don't loan out Jed Spence. I hope he gets a chance. I hope that in the next five weeks, Conte just works with him or the coaches work with him on a real... kind of. This is the thing that Conte said has been a big issue for the team in recent weeks, that they haven't been able to do much tactical coaching because they've just had to recover players, get them any of their energy back, then do a little kind of half a day's preparation for the match almost, and that's it. Whereas to actually now have tactical work with the team, and that's what he wants. That's why Sessegnon starts a lot and Spence doesn't, even though they're the same age, play for both England under-21s. It's because Sessegnon 
absolutely has taken on all of his tactical instructions and defensively he's very, very reliable. Um, and that's what he wants from Spence. So Spence can do that, use this as a preseason. I mean, it is roughly the same kind of time frame as a preseason, so use it. Um, and yeah, I really hope that that's kind of the making of Jed Spence because if he goes away on loan with Conte, you know, do you ever see him again under the Conte reign? That's my fear. I don't think it's any coincidence. You know, the young players under Conte, other than Sessegnon, haven't really fared well. They haven't had as much of a chance. Skip started off last season having a big chance. And of course, there's no arguments. Benton Coors come in and been brilliant. But Skip hasn't got, got much game time. Kiel hasn't got much game time. Tanganga hasn't got much game time. There is a pattern. <laughs> They're all young players. Um, and yeah, I just hope we don't kind of just fob them off, I guess, because, you know, you look at Arsenal and they've got quite a young team, you know, balanced with some mature signings and they're at the top of the league. Uh, and Man City are kind of refreshing with younger players when they sign them as well. It doesn't all have to be this identikit kind of thing you buy of ready-made experienced players. You can kind of mix and match and it works quite well. So, yeah, be intrigued to see what they do in January. I think you've just got to trust the young players and throw them in and give them a chance. I mean, look at Marcus Rashford, for example, at Manchester United. He was given his opportunity because there was a, a striker crisis. There were just so many injuries. And I think he was behind Ashley Fletcher in the pecking order, who I don't know where he's playing now, but I think he was at Watford maybe last time I saw uh, in England. And obviously he was injured. Rashford came in, took his chance. He's been a Manchester United regular Ever since, look at the young young kids at Chelsea when Lampard was manager. Reese James, Tammy Abraham, Tamare, Mason Mount. Look how good they've all turned out. I think you've just got to give them an opportunity. And yeah, given the struggles of Emerson and Matt Doherty at right wing back, it is so puzzling why Jed Spence hasn't been given a go. Was uh, FA Cup third round coming up, depending on the draw. Fingers crossed he will be in the team. Uh, but he's not the early one, as you're saying. I thought Skippy had played a lot more this yeah. season because it's not like there's uh, Tottenham have starved of quality replacements for Benteke and Hybe yet because they've got two in Skip and, and Bissouma. But yeah, obviously, it's a really good foursome, mate. It's a really good quartet of players. Yeah, just the levels Benteke and Hybe have been producing, and you know, just coming up with vital goals and assists uh, in in the league and in Europe. Uh, maybe he just feels that he needs them in, especially with Spurs being so poor and, you know, struggling to get the points. Uh, but yeah, new year, new opportunities. Uh, we'll see what happens come 2023. But it right, as a crowd as well, doesn't it? Even just starting yeah. Jed Spence. Can you imagine what that would have done to the crowd? And, and they would have got behind him. You know, I, I think it changes the whole dynamic of the atmosphere as well. But hey, I'm not the manager. So, you know, there may be something else he's seeing that we're not. Well, look what it was like when Spence came on. Uh, was it against Everton in October for the final couple of minutes? Just yeah. how, how loud it was inside the stadium when he yeah. came on. You know, fans love seeing the young players coming on and, and making impacts. And it's down to Conte now to obviously give them that that opportunity to show what they can do because yeah. if you're not given yeah. the minutes on the pitch we're not going to know how good a player you are 
You've just right. reminded me. I don't think we've spoken talking about the noise. We haven't spoken about the Emerson cheer, have we? Emerson cheer. I, I was the away cheer. for the Leeds game. Well, I don't know if you've seen it since, but yeah, the moment Emerson came off because he obviously had a poor game against Leeds, there was a huge cheer around the whole stadium as he came off. It was so uncomfortable to listen to and watch. It had kind of shades of a different kind of the... You remember when Tongi came off against Morecambe and did the slow walk and he knew the whole stadium was against him? Different kind of scenario here, but it just felt like the whole stadium was against Emerson and they were just delighted that he was coming off. And, you know, it wasn't Spence coming on either. It was Matt Doherty. And yes, Spurs did improve and yes, all of this. I do wonder what that means as well for Emerson. Maybe the breaks come at a good time. Maybe had there been matches after that, it would have been very difficult. I think Conte maybe would have been stubborn as well and deliberately played him to kind of say, you know, you're not in control of my team to the fans. But oh, it was so awkward. He missed a big chance when I think it was Ben Davies. It was a really lovely move and he played it across and, and Emerson blazed it over unmarked in about eight yards out and just... The, crowd absolutely the groan was essentially sixty thousand people groaning um and it happened a couple of times so that is another part when we talk about the atmosphere you know unfortunately for emerson um and the problem with him is i do think defensively he hasn't been as solid as he had previously so when he's not even got the thing that we can point to as being his strength um the fans are getting more and more frustrated and I wonder whether it comes to a point because he's been so desperate to stay at Spurs and want to be part of the whole Spurs kind of squad and ethos and what they're doing. I don't know. Maybe do the, do the reaction from the fans eventually make him think, well, why? What's the point of me being here? I don't know. Like I say, he's one of the very the many cases, I think, in the month ahead when I think Conte has to make some kind of decision on uh, and it could end up being season-changing. Yeah, it's not what you want to see at all. Uh, I, I was like was there for the Liverpool game and you could sense fans were starting to get on his back and he it, it wasn't good for him. He just looked a bit shaky on the ball. Uh, obviously, I think he would smash your confidence absolutely completely, wouldn't it? But yeah. I should stress, I, I understand where it's come from and I should stress... The other thing you don't take into account is all you need is like naturally in a game, we're sitting in a stand or st- uh, standing in a stand. If something kind of happens that we like or don't like, we let out a noise. But if 60,000 people let out a similar noise, it sounds like a big unified noise. So essentially, if people are kind of going, yay, like Emerson's going off, but 60,000 people go, yay, it kind of makes this concerted unified effort, which probably wasn't the intention. Um, but yeah, it, it just didn't sound great. <laughs> Well, he's in the team for a reason. He must be doing something right if Conte keeps picking him and he has been pretty much first What's choice. The right, right What's wing the back. reason, Rob Guest? Well, he must be doing something <laughs> right on the training <laughs> yep. pitch. He's good defensively. Uh, he's, he doesn't really offer as much in the final third as Matt Doherty, but in Conte's eyes, he must be doing something right. He did. He think he played. It, it seems so long ago now. I think for one of the Leeds goals, he played a really good quick throw, which led to one of the goals. It's so long ago now, I can't remember. But yeah, still one assist this season, one assist last season. 
uh, it's it's not enough for a Conte wing back. No, right. As we are halfway through the show now, Ali, do you want to tell everyone the benefits of uh, using NordVPN? Yeah, the Golden Guest Talk Tottenham podcast is sponsored by NordVPN, and you can use it uh, use the service in a host of different ways to enhance your internet experience. NordVPN is the fastest VPN in the world, which means there's no buffering, no lagging. You can stream your favorite shows from anywhere in the world without your bandwidth throttling. I've done it many, many times now. Uh, various countries, especially when I'm kind of heading off to watch Spurs play in different lands, uh, whether it's watching your shows you like, whether it's watching... Uh, because this is the strange thing about the way the world's set up, is that we can pay for subscription to something uh, yet when we go abroad, we can't use the thing we're paying for. So NordVPN allows you to essentially make your device believe it's in another country, whether it be your home country, so you can watch your own stuff, or you can also use it in other ways to access programming and things in other countries that you might not be able to access if you were just using your kind of tablet or device or phone, whatever it is. Um, so, yeah, you can watch sports from other countries. It, it's a very, very, very clever kind of service it provides and not only that but the outlay outlay on a nordvpn subscription is cheaper for you in the long run that's because you can purchase streaming services like i say or bookings from other countries at a much cheaper rate here's an example for you youtube premium is just 85p if you change your virtual location to argentina and even things like booking flights from other countries can be cheaper too meaning you're paying out for nord a nominal amount but you're saving money overall a whole host of other benefits from signing up to NordVPN, like security for everything that's on your devices, makes it all very, very secure. Essentially, padlocks it all. So these uh, unpleasant types that try and get your information online, they cannot get through to you. Uh, so yeah, why not give it a go? You can grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com forward slash gold guest to get a huge discount off your NordVPN plan, plus four additional months for free. It's completely risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. Right. Let's talk about uh, an award, what uh, will be what you'll be able to vote on very soon on the football.london website and that is the fans footballer of the year award for 2022. We've had to come up with four Tottenham players who we believe obviously uh, should be in the running for this uh, coveted award uh, and the four we've come up with. <laughs> Would it be a glitzy ceremony when we all get to wear tuxedos? Yeah. <laughs> right. The four players we've come up with, Pierre-Emile Hoybieg, Rodrigo Bentenker, Harry Kane and Dayan Kulaseski. A uh, couple of players missing out on their one who is Son Hyun-min, who some fans may question why he's not on the list. But we will go into that shortly. Uh, Ali, first of all, do you want to start with Pierre-Emile Hoybier? Give your views on his form over the past 12 months. Yeah, I think he's just continued to step up for me. Um, Conte said it himself the other day. He said that he's improved greatly, he feels. Obviously, essentially, he's patting himself on the back. He's like, it was me as a coach. He's been incredible. Uh, he doesn't talk like that. But he, um, yeah, he's. I think he's just been there for Spurs. And when Spurs have needed more attacking output from him, he, he's even brought that into his game. Was it four goals, four assists? Something like that. I can't remember now. Uh, but he's definitely really, really pushed on this season. Um, scored some big goals as well. Obviously, that that kind of late goal at 
Uh, Marseille was a, was a huge one in terms of uh, dictating what happened next to Spurs. Um, and he is, he's, he's been tired a couple of times and he has been overplayed. But, and Conte wants him and um, Benson Kerr to become more kind of the leaders of the group from the centre of that pitch. It is a tough role, the central role in that midfield. It's, uh, he wants you to do everything, Conte, essentially. You've got to be a defender in one moment. You've got to be attacker in the next. Um, and your, you know, the team looks to you and your positioning and, and how it's kind of the whole shape is determined. And I just think Hoybier has been, he's been really, really good. And bearing in mind, he gets flack sometimes. You know, he's not your kind of FIFA player, I guess. The player you'd sign on FIFA because of, you know, his incredible stats and all this sort of stuff. But I think he's a player, you take him out of the team and instantly you notice he's not there. I think the team really plays a lot better when he's in it. Uh, he's he's a bit of a kind of a dominant presence there. He's a big character behind the scenes as well. Very intense guy. Um, yeah, I, I think he's come on leaps and bounds under Conte. And I think um, he definitely should be, well, he is. He's in our top four for this award. And uh, I think he's got a good shout. Yeah, he's been absolutely fantastic this season. I still can't believe there's some fans who believe he shouldn't be in the team. Just look what he's been doing the past few months, the goals, the assists, just the big, big performances when the team need it most. And there was a point in February where he, he clearly needed a bit of a break. He'd been in the team too long. Just remember, he was a, ever-present under Jose Mourinho in his first season at the club, he was practically playing every game for Conte. And then I think it was... Against his old club Southampton, uh, he got took off after about an hour. It, it was a poor performance by his high standards. And the following game, he was on the bench against Wolves. But once he came back into the team, you know, just absolutely fantastic. And he's just formed this incredible partnership with Rodrigo Benson Kerr. What's gone from strength to strength, and they've both been key key players for Tottenham uh, so far this season so I think it's an absolute no-brainer for Hoybier to be in uh, the top four then Rodrigo Benson Kerr the next one on our list <laughs> I've said it in the previous podcast what on earth were Juventus thinking selling him <laughs> but selling him so cheap as well it's it was an absolute incredible deal for Paratici to pull off and at one point in January a few days before it did look like he would be heading to Aston Villa so, you know, thankfully Paratic, she's got in there and uh, persuaded him to come uh, to Tottenham. And it was key, as well as Kuleseski, key to getting into the top four last season. And he as well, it always takes time for foreign players to adapt to the Premier League. But he just went straight from the off, uh, just seemed to be at his very best. And He's got better and better as uh, the season's uh, gone on. And yeah, if, I mean, if you look at the past month, the goals he started to add to his game as well, important goals at a time when you need your big players to stand up and be counted. He's done that. And watching him for Uruguay ye yesterday, he was, uh, you know, a key player on the pitch for them, just dictating play, did a really good pirouette between two South Korea players. Is Absolutely fantastic. I just can't believe Spurs got him so cheap. I know. I always think back, and I know Spurs fans love to revisit it. There was some Italian journalist, <laughs> I can't remember if it was a website journalist, who 
He was gloating about the fact that Juventus had managed to essentially mug off Spurs by getting rid of Benson and Kulusevsky to them. And it's just, the tweet keeps getting brought up and I think he doubled down on it. It was all very awkward. And it's a bit like, I'm sorry, those two players are up there with the best purchases Spurs have made as, as transfers. Honestly, I think they have to be. They really pretty much secured top four uh, Champions League football last season for Spurs. And this season, that's the beauty of it. You know, you say there about players adapting to a different league and a foreign culture and all that. I still think Benton Kerr has shown that even last season, he was still adapting, despite the fact that he came in and seemed to hit the ground running, purely because this season, his level has been so incredibly high it shows what it's like when he really has adapted. Um, and just the fact that he's turned from this player who was very much, uh, yeah, wasn't known for his attacking output at all. I think, again, it's been a while now, but I, I looked up something like, I think he's now scored the same amount of goals for Spurs uh, as he had in the rest of his career or something like that. It's, it's along those lines. In league football, it might be. Um, and it's just, yeah, he's... He's taken his game to a new level. Like you say, turning up in the big moments. This is where he and Hoybier, for me, they just keep keep turning up in those huge moments for Spurs and turning games in, in Spurs' favour. Um, and he looks like a finisher now. He looks very confident when he gets in front of goal. Um, I think Benzinger has been absolutely class for me. I think there's shades of Moussa Dembele about the way he's composed with the ball, they can give him the ball in any position and he looks very, very calm with it. He does make the odd mistake, which will come with his position. He will sometimes give the ball away in a daft position. And that was something he used to do at Juventus. Um, but on the whole, it, it's 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 becoming rarer and rarer for me. And sometimes it's because of tiredness, being overplayed. Um, I, I cannot speak highly enough about Benton Kerr. I just think he's been such a good signing for Spurs. And, you know, what is he, 25, 24? He's still so young, relatively. Um, he's got everything mapped out ahead of him. And, and you can just see. And Conte actually was quite honest. He said, I actually push him quite hard in training. Um, I push him a lot, him and Hoybier. But that's because of how highly I believe they can go with their careers and how good they can be. He thinks they can be two of the best midfielders in the world. Um, and hey, Keep pushing them, Antonio. Keep pushing them. If this is the performances we're getting out of them, I think when we look at the negatives of this season, these two midfielders definitely do not fall into that category. I think they've been excellent. Yeah, they have. And I mean, just look at the Juventus team at the moment, probably the worst team they've had in 20 years plus. And how on earth don't they get in that team? Absolutely incredible. <laughs> right, next player on the list, no surprise at all, Harry Kane. It just... What what more can you say about him? He's just an absolutely fantastic footballer. Uh, contributed with the goals as he always does. But I think this calendar year, what we've seen a lot from him. What I can't understand why not many people have really picked up on this. It's just his range of passing, his vision to you know just come up with these killer passes to help Tottenham score goals. And that was evident on Monday in England's win over Iran as well. A couple of really good assists to his name uh, this season in the Premier League, scoring pretty much, you know, what's he got, 12, 12 goals or something already from 15 games? Yeah, he's just flying. He really is flying. 
and that's with Tottenham not even at the very best as well. So just imagine if he's had if he had Kulaseski for those ten games when he he was missing. You know, they certainly have higher numbers in terms of his goals, but Kane's just fantastic. No surprise at all to see him uh, in the top four for this award. Yeah, it's 12 goals in 15 Premier League games, which is just it's just remarkable. It really is. It's like night and day with last season. Obviously, last season started with all the speculation around him. He took a while to kind of get going. Um, and it's almost kind of been the other way around, isn't it? With Sonny's like dropped out a little bit form-wise um, after getting the golden boot, whereas last season it was Kane had got the golden boot and he definitely really struggled in the early... Um, well, probably month or so. Yeah, Harry Kane, when you talk about players who are just there, whatever, for the team, that's Harry Kane. He really is. Um, he's a remarkable footballer. I don't think there's an appreciation, like you say, of just what a player he is. The best way that I always think to sum up how good a player is is to ask fellow pros in the game. Um, and you know, ahead of this World Cup, everyone's just talking about Harry Kane. Any other, like you saw Neymar talks about Mbappe, just all the big players. When you ask them a player, they bring up Harry Kane because he's so different to other strikers out there for me. He's such an incredibly complete player. He is, you know, we've said it before in this podcast, he is probably Spurs. Well, yeah, I think he's Spurs' best playmaker, creative attacking midfielder, as well as striker. He's a remarkable player. Um, and you know, we saw it for England, you know, a couple of really good assists as well in that game. And he can just set up as instantly you just wish he had a clone. If you had two Harry Canes in your team, honestly, their goal tally would be ridiculous. Um, because they'd always be looking out for his obviously, it's not going to happen unless some kind of cloning technology comes in pretty soon. Um, but yeah, he's a terrific player, and I feel like. I even wonder whether we've seen him at his peak yet, which is quite interesting. When we've seen in the past with the injuries he's had, people essentially writing him off, saying he was done. Some people, I saw, you know, I know some journalists were saying that he was feeling that his his injuries were going to end uh, the kind of promise he was showing. Whereas now, I, I do think I think he can get even better. I think this season he's scored twelve goals in fifteen Premier League games, but a couple of those games, a few of those games, he'd even say he hasn't been at his best. Um, he just seems to pop up in the right places. But a fresher, fitter, or he's definitely fit, but a fresher Harry Kane, yeah, I think goals will keep on streaming in. Um, he's so huge to Spurs. And hope to see you know them sort out the contract um, once this World Cup is done um, because you need to tie him down because um, he could play anywhere in the world, um, but you need him at Tottenham Hotspur. Yeah, I think his passing is just is criminally overlooked. He just doesn't get the praise he de- he deserves for it. And it's if you De Bruyne-like, at, like, isn't it? I think so. It is. So I was going to say, if Kevin De Bruyne had made a number of those assists, you wouldn't hear the end of it. But yeah. with Kane doing it, he just barely gets a mention. What's really surprising, but he's so much more than a goal scorer. And Tottenham just need to time down for the long term future because he's just so so important. Another player who is so, so important to Tottenham, as has proved over the past month or two when he has been missing, Dane Kulisevsky. Uh Do you want to just wax lyrical about him, Ali? <laughs> I mean, he's some player. 
<laughs> he is honestly he's one of my favourite players in football nowadays um, and it's a bit because of on the pitch and off the pitch on the pitch he is just he's like a force of nature isn't he he's so he's built like a like a strong sturdy kind of player uh, but he has got all the magic of a playmaker. He's just got incredible feet. He, you can trust him a bit, like I say about Benteke. You can give him the ball on the edge of the Spurs area and within minutes. Oh, sorry, not within minutes. That'd be really slow. Within <laughs> with about twenty seconds, he's at the edge of the other um, box. He's so talented, and off the pitch, I find him fascinating. Um, spoken to him a couple of times now, and. He's very honest, brutally honest about himself, about the where his path is in football, uh, about his best position, everything. And he's so refreshing to talk to. Um, and he is 22 years old, isn't he? Which is just scary. You know, uh, just thinking about it now, I'm saying about those young players not getting a chance, and I'm forgetting that Kuzowski's 22 years old. He is definitely a young player who's got... He's a young player with loads of experience, I guess, which comes to him. And I think when you've played for someone like Juventus, I think Conte said this before, you become a different kind of player. You kind of have that pressure on you. It, it makes you kind of older than your years, I guess. You know, we forget Benzema, what is he, 25, three times Serie A winner, <laughs> which is mad in itself. Uh, but Kulisevsky, yeah, like I said about Hoybier earlier, take Kulisevsky out of that Spurs team and it's a much, much poorer Spurs team for it. Um, he is... There's shades of Ericsson about the way he plays at times. There's shades of, I'd say, Ginola about the way he kind of glides with the ball as well and uses his strength as well. He is, he's, he, honestly, if he continues on the trajectory he's on, he could be one of the world's best players. I, I do believe that. If you think he's 22 now and his assists are something ridiculous, his goal involvement, I can't remember the exact figures, but it is something like, Something around the, the like nineteen in twenty five games in the Premier League since he came, or twenty six, something like that. Um, it's just obscene, um, and I do think he's just going to get better and better and better. And like you say, someone like Harry Kane, it's like a gift to have someone like Kudelski in there because, yes, he can be predictable in the way or cut in onto his left and swing a ball into the box, but the defenders can't stop it. It's the timing, it's the way he does it, it's the moment he chooses to shift the ball in his feet and his body. You can know it's coming, but trying to stop it is a whole other thing. Um, and yeah, I think we'll see more goals as well, more curling shots into that bottom corner. Um, yeah, honestly, I don't know whether he probably has done enough this season to help him to this award, this coveted award, <laughs> because of his injury. Um, but in terms of an impact, um, since he arrived back at the last day of January, uh, was it last day of January or 1st day of February? I can't remember the transfer window actually closed. It was January 31st, wasn't it? It might have been February the 1st. It was yeah. one or the other. Was it a weekend? I, I was trying to think it was a weekend, the 31st. But yeah, the impact is undeniable. Superb player and he's going to become a global star. I do believe that. And yeah, I still can't help thinking about that tweet about Juventus being better <laughs> off without him. I'm sorry. It's just, you never tweet. Even journalists, even whatever we believe, you, you can't tweet like a fan. It's just, it's always going to come back to bite you on the backside. I totally agree with you in terms of he can become one of the best in the world. He's an incredible player at 22. Played with the likes of Zlatan for Sweden, Cristiano Ronaldo at Juventus. 
and they've heaped praise on him. They know how good a player he is. And yeah. just look at the difference he made at Tottenham when he came in. I mean, just go back to the Liverpool game at the start of November, that huge cheer when he came onto the pitch after missing 10 yeah. games. And within about 60, 70 seconds, he'd already set one up for Harry Kane. And they spoke to him Wait, after the game. Yeah, go on. Yes, but to him after the game, and he was basically saying, well, I knew that was going to happen because that always happens when they come back. I come back stronger. And yeah, I've done that. He's a fantastic player. I can remember Aston Villa away last year, the 4-0. Absolutely fantastic. The second half just gets on the ball. Arrows one into the bottom corner. It's just his range of passing. It's just a great, great player. And, you know, credit to Paratici for being able to bring him uh, to the club but I think there's a lot lot more to come from Dane Kulisewski uh, you just wish that Tottenham had an alternative to him because when he wasn't in the team uh, in October and November his absence was felt so so much uh, yeah great player can't speak highly enough of him yeah he's superb all I was going to say is yeah two Premier League games he came back for assist in each <laughs> just says it all <laughs> just straight back into the team incredible right one player who's not in there Son Heung-min I mean was this a tough decision to leave him out of the top four or was it a bit of a straightforward one I suppose it's a season of two halves really given he start, he finished last season incredible form to win the Premier League Golden Boot and this season he's only scored in two games yeah yeah, it's such a strange one with Sonny. Definitely, yeah, incredible first half of the season. I remember going through the stats and there were so few games that he didn't provide a goal or assist in in that uh, second half of last season. He was remarkable um, and fully, fully deserved having a golden boot, sharing it with Salah. Um, brilliant. And then just something has happened with his confidence this year. Um, you know, maybe the system hasn't quite worked for him. I know there was the, the theories about Perisic um, not quite working with him down the left and, and that relationship having to kind of, yeah, I guess, grow um, and his position on the pitch. There's lots of ex- kind of excuses, I guess, being put out there for him. But I do think ultimately it just comes down to confidence and form because he said it himself. He doesn't He hasn't been happy with his performances. His finishing hasn't been to the incredibly high standard it was last season. There's been moments when he's been, you know, in front of goal and he hasn't um, he hasn't kind of done exactly what's needed. I mean, he hasn't scored in the Premier League, has he, when he started this season so no, far? It's just no. goals against Leicester. I say just, it was incredible hat-trick, don't get me wrong. But to not have scored um, a single goal in the Premier League when you've started, um, it's, it's mad. I mean, essentially all his goals have come in two games, haven't they? Uh, the Champions League game and that game against Leicester. So, yeah, it's just such a shame. He definitely, I think he'd just been a little bit more consistent, contributed a couple more goals in this uh, first half of the season. I think he would have been definitely up for the coveted award um, that is coming someone's way. Um, Yeah, it's just, sorry, just as, literally, as we're uh, recording this, uh, Wales have just had a red card which is just going on in the background, which guess he's a, a, about a minute behind me, so he's about to see that happen. Um, yeah, just, just ruin it for me. Why <laughs> sorry about that. Um, yes, it's 
Sonny will come back. I think this World Cup might be a good thing for him. I think it will change everything for him if he can go on a bit of a run. He was a little bit quiet in the first game against Uruguay. And then hopefully, um, yeah, yeah, I can see, just for anyone, this doesn't make great podcasting, but I can see Guesty's face as he's watching, um, is it Hennessy, isn't it? Hennessy, that's, in, yeah. that's incredible. Yeah, wow. it's uh, it's not really, well, I mean, yes, the player might have gone through and scored, so maybe it ends up being an important moment, but yeah, that was that was a rather high challenge. Um, yeah. So, Sonny, hopefully, second half of the season will be back to the player he was in last season. Has he been <laughs> yeah, sent off? Guessing. You can, yeah. What's that? Has he actually sent him off for it? Yeah, he's off. Because yeah, on mine, he's, he's just giving me a yellow card. Oh, right. Cool. You're way behind. There's a VAR check. Everyone will be so aware of what's happened by the time they uh, listen to you. <laughs> yeah, there's a VAR check. He goes back and, and takes away the yellow card and gives him a red instead. Sorry to completely ruin what you're about to see. But you are seem to be on now about an hour's delay. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in terms of Son, for me, I think with the award being won for 2022, for the year, you've just got to be consistent. And that's one thing, unfortunately, hasn't been given the past few months how he started this season. Uh, so, yeah. I mean, there's four great players in that list. So, there's always going to be someone a key player who misses out and this year it's Son in terms of notable mentions for me I think I would probably say Ben Davis not yes, not done definitely. enough to be on on in the top four and probably a player who wouldn't win it but in terms of how he's performed over a year I think he's been absolutely uh, fantastic uh, consistent as ever a regular in Antonio Conte's Tottenham team last season and then this season it's been a bit in and out with Clement Longley coming in, but as ever, you know, goals as well. Yeah, you just know what you're going to get from Ben Davies, just a good solid pro. And Tottenham, you know, are lucky to have a player like that at the back. So they're the types of players you need in your squad. Anyone else for you you want to give an honourable mention to? It's not going to go down well with some people because of recent weeks, but I think Eric Dyer would have been in line to uh, definitely be an honourable mention. Last couple of weeks, yes, he's made a few silly mistakes. But I think if you take them away, I think he's had a pretty consistent 2022, really. Um, so, yeah, I think he would have been in there. Uh, and it's just a shame he's kind of... It's almost like the moment he got called up back into the England squad, it started to almost like... I don't, I'm sure it wasn't the case, but it almost felt like, yep, job done, proved myself, don't need to do it anymore. And it's been like, well, no, no, you do need to keep doing it. But I'm sure that wasn't the reason behind it. Um, but yeah, he was uh, not good at all from that point on. You can tell for me when Eric Dyer is, and it sounds awful to say, but it's being blunt, when he's at his worst, it's when he feels he has to cover for everyone else. When he just concentrates on his own job, I think he's really, really come on leaps and bounds. But when maybe it's not having Romero alongside him, I don't know. But when he feels he has to drift off out of position to try and cover for someone else, he really looks exposed and vulnerable. And he often will make a mistake in that. Whereas I feel when he's just able to sit in that middle as a bit of a quarterback kind of player, dictating the place, spin the ball out to the flanks, anticipate well just through the middle. I think he plays really well. But yeah, he just becomes a little bit of a different entity when he's, um, he's having to cover for others as well. And often when he doesn't need to. Um, 
it's decision making. I guess that's that's kind of what maybe just stops him from being one of the best that kind of his various managers keep saying he's going to become. So uh, yeah, Eric, I'm just trying to think if there's anyone else. Um, can't put Jed Spence in because he hasn't played <laughs> now. <laughs> suppose, no, the reason I suppose, not for Spurs, but he had a fantastic first half of 2022 with Forest. Yeah, I um, suppose you could mention Hugo. Uh, had some good performances. A few have let him down. Uh, but I mean, you're just thinking of the players who have played regularly for Tottenham over the bit like Dyer, over 2022. Yeah, yeah. Slightly, yeah, yeah, last couple of weeks, but yeah, no, he's done fine. He's done okay. I think Sessegnon has come on leaps and bounds. I think he's made a lot of improvement. I think there's still a way to go for him. Um, and again, he's another one that seems to get a bit of flack as well. But I do feel like um, he's really, really come on uh, under Conte. Um, you know, he's, he's popped up with a couple of goals as well. I think he just needs, for him, for me, he needs to improve his assists. I think there needs to be more of those. Um, but yeah. No, I think I think there's more to come from Sessegnon. I hope there is. It'd be interesting to see what happens with him and Destiny Udogi next season as well. Uh, and of course, Perisic and how they balance that all out and if there's going to be an odd man out, and there probably will be. Um, but yeah, yeah. it's. Uh, I'm just excited now for this big ceremony that apparently we're holding <laughs> for the uh, coveted award to be handed out. One player we've not mentioned who I best mentioned, otherwise fans will be telling us, Christian Romero, uh, but I think he's probably someone in the same category as Son, really. Really good first half to the year. Second yeah. half, perhaps, let him down a bit. But, yeah, uh, hopefully a lot more has come from Romero and he can get back to his best form once he's back from the World Cup. So, yes, Injury you will be out. No, the, certainly not. Certainly not. You will be able to vote for our Fans Footballer of the Year 2022 award. I believe that is going to open at some point next week and run up until the week before Christmas. I believe uh, we will be pushing the votes on our social account, so you will be able to find how you vote on there. And then, yeah, uh, Ali will let everyone know about the coveted award ceremony and how you can attend. <laughs> yeah, obviously, that's what I was about to say. Are we kind of giving away tickets to the, uh, I believe it's at the Savoy. Um, yeah, yeah, that's no, going to be fantastic. I thought you were just going to rock up to Hotspur Way for Conte's first press conference back in tuxedo with the award for one of the players. That's but... it. Ask a couple of questions in the tuxedo, um, and then yeah, and then head off uh, to to hand out the award. Who would you give it to out of those four? Uh, tough one, really. Four really, yeah. really good choices. I don't know. Maybe Hoybeg. I might it's give it to Hoybeg. I'd give it one of the two midfielders. I think. Yes. I agree. I agree. I think Hoybier has maybe slightly been the more overall consistent of the two. But I think Bentoncourt's last couple of months have elevated him maybe. It's difficult, isn't it? You kind of think with your more recent thoughts of, of what you've seen more recently. And I think Bentoncourt is, for me, overall impact plus what he's been doing the last couple of months maybe shades it for me. Yeah, I'd say one of the two midfielders, but 
it's down to the fans. So we'll find out before Christmas who wins the 2022 fans footballer of the year award. Right, let's move on to the World Cup. What's in full swing at the moment and Tottenham's players. We're an hour in and we're moving on to that big World Cup. Yeah. (laughs) Right, how are the Tottenham players getting on at the World Cup? Anyone uh, stood out for you so far? Um, I should just point out as well, we are doing a bit of a bumper edition just to kind of make up for the fact that we've been uh, away uh, for a little while. So you can can listen to this in two parts if you don't have enough time. Um, The World Cup, I thought, despite the fact he didn't score, I thought Harry Kane played really well in England's first game. I thought his performance went a bit under the radar. I did think he he was really pivotal to so much of the link play. Obviously got a couple of assists as well. Um, I I, I kind of felt that, quite understandably, a lot of the attention was on some of the brilliant performances. Jude Bellingham, Saka played very well. Um, Declan Rice thought was very well. And some of the defenders played very well as well. Uh, but yeah, I thought Kane really impressed me in his first game. Um, it was very kind of unselfish performance. Um, who else? Obviously, Richarlison after last night. Um, the amount of social media kind of stuff about <laughs> uh, mainly Arsenal fans, you know, why is Gabriel Jesus not playing? Why isn't he in the style? Like, who is Richarlison? Why does he deserve to be in it? And he turns out not with a really good poacher's first goal. But one of the best, well, if not the best goal of the World Cup so far, um, it was just brilliant. And the fact that he was practicing it in training a couple of days earlier, um, and that we've seen the videos of that, it just shows, it's a great example to all kids everywhere, isn't it? Keep keep practicing, and then you'll do as naturally these things on the biggest stages of all. Um, yeah, obviously brilliant for him. He's such a goal scorer for Brazil, isn't he? We want him to bring that to Spurs now because isn't it something like nine goals in seven appearances for them or something? It's like a, it's a lot of goals. Um, he is very much their, their number nine. Um, I'm intrigued to see, I was talking about this with someone yesterday, that I, I'd be interested to know, I don't know how you'd fit Son in. Obviously, you need Sonny in there, whether it be as like a number 10 or not. But as a front pairing, Kane and Richarlison. I wonder how that would look and how that would work. Um, I can imagine that being really effective. Um, like I say, maybe playing Sonny just behind them as an, like a number 10 or something like that. Obviously, then you've got to find a place for Kulisevsky. Um, but then that, that's the beauty of having a few more options, I guess. Uh, Richarlison, yes, excellent. I'm trying to think who else has stood out. Joe Roden, a little bit of a nervy start in the first game. Um, it was that kind of one he almost put into his own goal, didn't he? I think Hennessy had to save it. Thus far, 97 minutes into this game uh, against Iran, and he's been very good in this game as well. So good good World Cup so far for Joe Roden. Q in the last 90 seconds, he puts it into his own net. That would be the worst podcast kind of <laughs> moment of queuing someone up to do something bad ever. Oh, my goodness. Iran are just attacking. I thought it was actually going to happen there. Um, I'm trying to think who else Spurs wise we've seen uh, actually that was Joe Roden just making another great block so he's actually uh, solidifying my point yeah Benton Kerr Benton Kerr looks decent yeah yes he was very good uh, Hoybier was okay Sonny was a little bit quieter than we'd want but then he's going to be a bit rusty that's understandable I think um, who else have we seen so far Christian Romero oh. uh, 
<laughs> anyone anyone that's watching or listening to this podcast will know exactly why I've just made that noise. Um, it wasn't Joe Roden's fault. From what uh, I'm going to leave leave Guesty to see it in about ten minutes' time. When yeah. <laughs> oh, that's a shame. Um, yes. Uh, sorry. Who else have Who else has played already so far? Spurs? Oh, I was saying Christian Romero played for uh, Romero, a, yes, an hour. Shaky. Yeah, he looked rusty. Uh, ben Davies ha- has played well despite his disappointment. He will have right now. Um, and yeah. Yeah, I think probably for me, I think Richardson has to be the standout because of the uh, incredible quality of those. Oh, ben, is that Ben Davies? Ben Davies just got his foot. He tried to flick his foot into the way. Ben Davies is number four, isn't it? Yes, it is Ben Davies. Oh, he was like an inch away from getting his foot to that. Have you seen it yet? No, no, I'm You're still so on that. far behind. 96 minutes. I know, I know. Uh on Richarlison, absolutely brilliant last night. What made it even better for me was I got a message from an Arsenal fan literally a minute before he scored his first goal saying... Is it an Arsenal this... fan we work with by any chance? <laughs> it is. <laughs> and he said, this Richarlison performance is burning my eyes. And then literally a minute later, he scored. Uh, prior to that, Richarlison didn't really have a lot to do. I thought it was starved of service up front. And, mm. you know... Credit to Serbia, first of all, that you know really made life difficult for Brazil in the first half, but then things started to open up for them after the break. And Richarlison, it's all good strikers are right place, right time, poachers finish, and then second one, absolutely incredible. What a piece of skill! Uh, saw that time on the training ground, didn't it? Everton with Big Dunk doing the uh, <laughs> doing the shooting drills. Uh, but yes, no, definitely. what I was going to say is if we did this podcast ahead of the World Cup, if anyone wanted a tip for top scorer, Rich Allison, uh, just due to his brilliant record for Brazil and, you know, a team who are going to score a lot of goals at this World Cup, uh, I think he was top scorer at the Olympics as well. So yeah. that's, I should that's stress, why I guess I he isn't him. saying this after his two goals. I know technically he is, but he did predict it ahead of the World Cup. That he'd, uh, yes. Rich Charleston would be a top scorer and actually if you look at it uh oh dear <laughs> oh dear again um that's that's clearly to do with the wales match i'm sure right. one listening will know uh just we've honestly picked the wrong time to uh to record a podcast with this going on in the background um i guess it gives a little live element to it which will mean nothing to people afterwards because they're not watching at the same time. Richarlison, what I was going to say, World Cup debut, scores twice. Champions League debut, scored twice, didn't he as well? Was it twice? It was, wasn't it? He did against Marseille, yeah. Yeah. What a man for the kind of the debut, the big occasion kind of thing. That's that's incredible. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, no, I think he's uh, he's only going to only going to be proved to be more and more important, I think, for Spurs as the second half of the season goes on. And, you know, if he can come away from this World Cup with loads of confidence, um, to be fair, that's a goal born for Iran. That's a goal born out of Wales having to push up and having no choice and having 10 men. Ben Davies almost gets a hand to it as well. Uh, Just on Harry Kane, as you were talking about him before, yeah, Mm. I totally agree that he uh, performed excellently during that game. But, of course, it's always got to be the goal scorer's 
Jude Bellingham, who got the first, who are all going to dominate the headlines, and rightly so, but Kane, excellent. And the goals will come for him in the tournament, hopefully tonight against the United States. There was obviously that injury scare when he went over on his ankle, but thankfully, okay, back in training. And yeah, hopefully he'll be able to uh, lead England from this group and go far in the tournament. Just on Christian Romero as well, not the best of comebacks for him. I thought the first half didn't really have much to do defensively, although Argentina did look a bit shaky at the back at times when Iran pushed forward. Showed a bit of what he does for Tottenham in terms of getting on the ball and you know getting it forward and going on. Uh, I think he had a bit of a marauding run. But second half, uh, he's just like, where was he for their first goal? Iran, uh, Saudi Arabia player, straight past him. And good finish from him. And then he was hooked a few minutes later on the hour mark with Lissandro Martinez coming on. So it's a case of, is he fully fit yet? Or had Lionel Scaloni, the manager, just seen enough? So with Argentina playing Mexico on Saturday... You know, the starting 11 could be rather telling because you could imagine Martinez coming back in and that maybe Romero being on the bench potentially. Yeah, it'd be interesting because I love him, don't I? Um, Scaloni loves him. Messi's a big Romero fan as well, which sounds funny to say, but he is. Um, I think he wanted him at Barcelona, didn't he? But Barcelona couldn't afford him at that point. Um, yeah, he looked rusty. He did look rusty. Um, he was beaten far too easily for that first goal. Far, far too easily. Um, huge result, though, Saudi Arabia. It's just such an incredible shock that match was. Um, that's, for me, is kind of, I guess, what the World Cup is all about, is games like that and the ability to, doesn't matter who you are, uh, anyone can turn up on the day and do a job. It was, um, yeah. Yeah, Romero, it's about getting fitness now. I'm not, I don't buy into the whole... Um, you know, kind of the flack he was getting towards the end. He was saving himself for Argentina. Of course, it doesn't help that he started the next game for Argentina, but it was, you know, a week or two later. Conte probably said it best, so I don't really need to say it too much, but Conte said, you know, he would play on one leg for Spurs. Just unfortunately, he was playing with so many various like little niggles and injuries for Spurs that eventually it just became too much for him and he, he couldn't really play without making them worse. Um, and that was why I had to kind of come out of the starting lineup. So the irony is, had he been fit enough to maybe play a game or two towards the end, probably would have been sharper going into the World Cup. Um, yeah. Romero, he needs to find where he was um, kind of at the before the um, before the end of last season, wasn't it? He was in a really good run of form. He was looking like a top, top player. I think the injury this season didn't help him at all. He hasn't really entirely been 100% since then. Um, yeah, if he can have the same impact second half of the season as he did last season, then, yeah, we'll all see the uh, the Romero that we all expect to be one of the world's best defenders, I think. Yeah, right. I think we'll leave that there for today's latest episode of Golden Guest Top Tottenham. We'll be back next week to discuss bit more on how the top players are getting on at the World Cup and also some other things. So, as always, thank you for listening to us and just keep with us at football.london for all your latest Tottenham news.
Grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com forward slash gold guest to get a huge discount off your NordVPN plan plus four additional months for free. It's completely risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee.